Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. The Brewers have clinched the playoffs for the second season in a row, and we could spend all podcasts talking about it, but that's going to be the only mention. Uh, What we're going to focus on is that uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils are traveling to their favorite state, California, to take on the Golden Bears on Friday night on ESPN, a nationally televised game, 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific, some other time in Hawaii. That's right. Much earlier. Um, Matt, I'm not confident going against the number 15 ranked Fort and O Cal Golden Bears. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now I don't... I don't really believe at this point that that's the number 15 team in the country. Um, maybe that's me being, you know, unfair and, and kind of, you know, that preseason bias that you have when, you know, team starts unranked and you think, oh, yeah, right, 15. And, you know, maybe they are that good. I, I'm not quite believing in them yet, but their, their defense is certainly good. I mean, it was good last year. Uh, it's good again this year. It's, it's amazing how they've flipped on their head from, what was it three years ago when Jared Goff was there? Two, you know, and uh, four or five years ago, I guess for him. But they were all offense, no defense. Now they're they're basically the opposite. So far this season, they've not cracked thirty points, but they've only allowed twenty points once on the road yeah. at Ole Miss last week. Right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they've they've played every game close, um, and and that's that style. You know, they don't blow teams out. Um, you know, North Texas, I think, had a you know was in the game with them. Yeah, that was a um, six point game. I mean, other than the yeah. Davis game to open the year, that was a two touchdown one. The yeah. rest of them have been eight points or less. Right, right, and even the Davis game, I think, was like seven at the half or something. And now Davis is a pretty good FCS team. Um, that was a popular upset pick. I remember prior to week one that you know, could you see that upset? It didn't didn't happen, obviously. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a good team. Um, they're well-coached. You know, Justin Wilcox, we've talked about him before. Uh, his, his journey to this job has been interesting because he's, he, you know, I, I can remember a couple times he was boy genius defensive coordinator, and I can remember a couple times he was, you know, oh, this guy's not very good. And then he got a, you know, he got a head coaching job, and he's done very well at it so far. And again, really changed the identity of the program in three years now, I think. This is only his third year, from what yeah. I recall. That is um, correct. So he joined. Uh, he joined the program in 2017 after spending one year as the Badgers' defensive coordinator. Yeah, that's right. Where he that's basically right. yeah. flipped their defense around. Yeah, and yeah, has yeah. Done I mean, the same thing now at Cal. He certainly has. Yeah, he's you know he's a, a very good defensive coach, a good you know young coach, and and uh, you know I know their their freshman. Well, he's, he was a freshman last year. Chase Garbers. Um, he was, you know, very much a game manager. Now he had 300 plus yards. Had a pretty, pretty big game against Ole Miss. That mm-hmm. said, Ole Miss's defense is not going to be confused with a, you know, a shutdown unit by any means. But still, it was, it was big for them. I mean, I, you know, he, he showed that he could be a, you know, a productive statistical quarterback, not just a guy who, you know, don't turn the ball over, get out of the way, that type of thing. So, you know, they could be a dark horse. I still think the North ends up going through Oregon and Washington when it comes down to it. But, of course, they already beat Washington. So, you know, they've, they've got an early leg up on the rest of the division right now. My big concern is 
I think the Cal defense is real. And I am now less convinced that the Arizona State defense is real. <laughs> well, I think appropriately so after last week. The the interesting thing, though, is this this game has the feel of a little bit more like a Michigan State game where, you know, it's not a super explosive offense. They're not – they don't have a, you know, veteran quarterback. They don't have, you know, three or four good wide receivers. Um, and so it's a game that you'd expect the defense to look better you'd expect probably the offense not to be as productive. Um, I mean, if we, if we can score 31 points and, you know, put up the yards and that type of thing, then I, boy, I'd feel really good uh, coming out of this game. I would be surprised at that though. I mean, this feels more like a game in the, you know, if, if you can get to 20 points, it might be enough to win. The over under from Vegas is 40. Or, so I'm sorry, 41. It is 41. Okay, yeah, they're, they're thinking about 20, 20 points each, I guess. Yeah, so uh, I, I would say that seems fair just given the way Cal has played all year and given the way ASU has played three of the four games this year. Obviously not last week, but, um, it, you know, I, like I said, I told you, you know, Sunday when we talked, I feel good, or, well, I don't feel good. I feel better that our offense could, you know, match a team score for score in games where we're going to have to as far as high scoring this is probably not that game i mean we, we're going to face some teams you know in the next two months that will score more and, and we're going to have to keep up with them um this is a game that feels like you know can we win it like we did michigan state maybe uh and i mean it'd be a huge statement to you know win a second road game and you know i mean it, it's a chance to you know kind of again one more, one more milestone you can check off. Like, okay, can you, you know, can you go out of conference and win on the road? But well, we did. Now, can you win a, a conference road game at night? We discussed that in our preseason talk. That, you know, the history there is not very good. Uh, the last one was 2016, I believe, against UCLA. We beat uh, Josh Rosen at UCLA. Um, so it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Well, and. Cal, 2015 even. I'm wrong. It's 2015. Cal has really done a job limiting teams through the air. Um, yeah. Now, they've averaged allowing 140-plus rush yards a game. Could this be the Eno Benjamin breakout game that everyone in ASU fandom keeps waiting for? I mean, you'd like to see it, and, and there was – there was progress last week. Uh, you know, you and I talked about it that, you know, it was it was better last week. It wasn't great. You know, it wasn't the highs of last year, but it was better. Uh, and, and so, I, you know, it'd be great to see maybe this, you know, third game for this offensive line. Maybe this is the time where, you know, things continue to come together and, and we can have that type of, of, you know, moment. I mean, it was around this time last year that this team kind of, you know, fell into their identity as a as a good running team uh, be great if that happened again it was it was a road game at night in fact it was at washington when all of a sudden this team looked like wow they can run the ball we didn't win that game but we stayed in the game to the end because of our running game uh so maybe so when you and i were talking about this game at the start of the year i think both of us were under the impression that cal was going to be better but not necessarily even good let alone great um and that basically 
much like every other Pac-12 site, the stadium itself wouldn't be that intimidating because they wouldn't be that great. True. True. Well, now they're number 15 in the country, and it's a primetime ESPN game, which makes me a little worried about, is it going to be loud? Is it going to be a difficult challenge? I, I, look, right. Jaden Daniels did a great job. Michigan State, day game, big environment. I read mm-hmm. the Doug Haller story where he texted his dad, I made it. Yes, you know, yes, yes, that, that was a good story. That Very was a good. great story. He's from California. This could be a very raucous crowd in Berkeley. Um, I'm worried about it. I, I, I'm really, uh, I'm really concerned here that we're going to wind up starting the conference slate zero and two. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I am too. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't feel a tremendous sense of confidence about this game, but I. I don't feel a tremendous dread either. Like it's it's one that I can see going either way, um, but given some of that history of you know night games on the road, given this team's you know inconsistencies on, on both sides of the ball now this year, it, you know it's hard to feel real good about it, and I don't. Yeah, I'm picking Cal to win. 21-13. And I think it's likely going to be a missed extra point, not <laughs> two made field goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I would probably go somewhere right in that same neighborhood. I, You know, I'll say 24-17. Uh, to 17. Um, it, it just, it kind of, now I said this about Michigan State and we did do it. It has the feel of a game where we're going to have some possessions in the second half where it feels like this is our chance. You know, if we could put something together, this drive, we can either, you know, take the lead or or get back, you know, within a score or tie, you know, and, and it just feels like I don't trust this offense enough to do that. Not yet. Now, if they do it, uh, you know, then I'll feel different. Um, but I, I just I got to see more than it was good what we saw last week. I, I just got to see it more. I'm not I'm not there yet with confidence. So in the off season, or I'm sorry, in the uh, week that's been leading up to this, uh, yeah. Brandon Ayuk was added to the Bolitnikov watch list. Now in the off season, if you would have told me that he would have been averaging a hundred yards plus a game through the first four, I would have been surprised. Yeah, but if you would have too. told me that he was going to basically dominate the target share for this team. Yeah. I would have been just flabbergasted, but that's what's happening. He has double the number of receptions of Eno Benjamin. He's got seven more than Kyle Williams. And then no one else is within, I mean, no one's within seven of him and only one guy after that's within 12 of him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's surprising. I, I would agree with that, too. I mean, there was hope that he would emerge as the number one guy. Uh, and he certainly had a very good game last week. Um, you know, it was, I, I would say, his best game of the year. I don't know if statistically it was. I think it was. Um, but, you know, was was really a presence in that game last week. Um, and, but, you know, you talked about it. You, you were on it before I even knew the numbers. You know, there was also good distribution last week. A lot of different guys caught balls. Um, and so, you know, hopefully we're kind of 
kind of emerging into that where maybe he's our top guy. Great. But you want some other guys who can step up. And last week that happened. Last week was a productive churn throughout the game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he had technically he had more yardage against Kent State because he had that he? one okay. 77 yard broken ah, play. Catch and run. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Forgot about that. You know, but you take that out and, and much less. I mean, the Colorado game, though, you know, he had the 53 yard bomb, but he also, you know, besides that, had eight catches and, you know, another 79 yards of offense there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, certainly, I, just in general, not just for him, but everywhere, that was the best offensive performance last week. That looked like, you know, the ASU offense of last year, where we, we could move the ball when, you know, it wasn't a great offense last year. We've certainly had better offenses, you know, in our times as ASU fans. But, you know, it looked like a team that, okay, when we got the ball, you weren't just thinking, well, let's try to get a first down or two and then punt, you know, pin and deep, which is how it was the first three games. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly Michigan State, you know, that felt like a game where you just had to, you know, grind your teeth the whole time and, and you know, hope that we put together something when it mattered, and by God, we did. Um, the last week was, was much better, so hopefully we're trending in the right direction with that. So the secondary last week got good and torched like a marshmallow for s'mores. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, the Cal offense, especially in their receiving core, not as explosive. They've had one sixty-yard play right uh, through the passing game, and that's it. Nothing else over fifty. Yeah, they yeah. have you know a better balance than a lot of teams, and they get mm-hmm. the, they work the ball into their running backs and their tight ends, but. They definitely do, yeah. This should be the sort of thing where if there's going to be the bounce-back game for Jack Jones and Chase Lucas, mm-hmm. there's a pretty good chance that Cal's your best bet for such a game. Uh, agreed, agreed, yeah. I mean, you know, you would you would hope, again, that this is a game where the defense looks, you know, pretty good. Um, it'll be concerning if it doesn't. You know, because if if it's a game where it seems like they're getting what they want, like Colorado did, you know, then you start looking and thinking, boy, what do you have? Because you're going to play Washington State in two weeks. And, you know, in November, you got Oregon and USC and Arizona, you know, good, good offensive teams, teams with flaws, you know, in certain spots, but certainly not lacking for offense. And so, you know, you, you yeah, you want to see them look better this week. Um, you know, we've heard the right things from Danny Gonzalez and from the players and the other assistants. And, you know, we got to do things better. And it's great. You know, love hearing it, but got to see it. Because, uh, you know, every defensive staff when they have a bad game says, we got to do things better next week. Can you actually do it is the big key. Yeah. Step one is identifying the problem. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. In the, in the immortal words of Ray Zelensky, we've identified. Some problems. Now we have to wash them out. For the portion of the podcast where we basically just take something Doug Haller did and talk about how great Doug Haller is, <laughs> I want to talk about the uh, the Q and A he did with Antonio Pierce mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. uh, walk back from the 
Kajikawa facility to the football offices. Uh Uh-huh. Those have been interesting. A third one, I think, that he's done now. Yeah. And I feel like he gets good insight because he asks the questions that fans want to know. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was was interesting, and he addressed the – you know, obviously one of the main topics around Antonio Pierce is, you know, how long are you going to stay until you're ready to leave? Um, and, and you know, he, he asked the question and the answer was interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, I think there will, there will be, you know, hesitancy that he's going to leave at some point, no matter what, because he seems like a rising star in the coaching industry. And eventually he probably will. I mean, I, I don't expect him to finish his career at Arizona State as a linebacker's coach. No, um, I, I think that, you know. I think that the the way he answered the question is the way I wanted to hear it, which is sure. he's going to take the best offer when it's the right time to go, and he wants to be a head coach. I think that was abundantly clear sure. from what he sure. said. But yeah. he's he's also not going to and I don't this is not going to be an apt comparison for where they are in his career. But I think he's going to be more Kirby smart and less, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of these other guys. I think some of the other guys at Alabama who pulled yeah, it after one year. Yeah, I think he's going yeah. to wait, and someone's going to offer him a defensive coordinator job. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, you know, someone's going to offer Danny Gonzalez a job, and Herm's going to offer and him a And he becomes the coordinator. Coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the interesting thing, and, uh, you know, I don't think you have to – be too, you know, put too much imagination in it to see that, okay, do we have a couple guys who we might like to be the heir apparent coach, head coach? Mm-hmm. Danny Gonzalez being one and Antonio Pierce maybe being the other. Um, and, you know, and, and none of us think that Herm is a guy who's going to be here for a decade. No. Just seems unlikely, you know? <laughs> he's so, he's he, a very youthful 60-something, and sure, I think he sure. will retire from ASU or be relieved of his duties by the next AD whenever that happens. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it's just, uh, uh, and, and that brings up a good point. I mean, you know, no, no coach, uh, besides maybe the very top few have, you know, job security of more than a few years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I guess the difference with Herm is you feel like even if things go well, according to plan, he's not going to be here for 10 years, 15 years. Right. I, you know, you, you, you want the next guy to be able to kind of seamlessly take over and both those guys give you that opportunity. We're not there yet, but I mean, I, you know, certainly I have had the thought of with Danny Gonzalez last week, you know, being an exception, but seeing some of the things he's done and thinking, we got to do what we can to keep this guy in the fold. Cause he seems to be, you know, a pretty good coach and he seems to really have embraced ASU. Um, and, and, you know, it's like, you know, I don't believe in the whole coach and waiting thing, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't be upset if, if kind of wink, wink, he's that guy. But Pierce certainly brings a lot to the table, too, as a recruiter, and probably you're only going to keep one for a long term, if either. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's where I was going. That's where I was going with this, which is at some point, maybe it's this offseason, maybe it's next offseason, but at some point, you're going to have to pick. Yeah. Um, I think that the gamble, the higher upside, but potentially lower ceiling 
is Antonio Pierce. Yeah, you know? probably so. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he he feels like the you know he, that's a good way to put it that you know the guy who could be a home run, but he also doesn't have much in the way of coaching experience. Never even been a coordinator, you know. And so you'd be like, eh. but then again, maybe that's overrated. You know, I mean, being a coordinator, being a head coach, they're not the same thing. Uh, and, no, well, and it's you know, the Dabo Swinney. Yeah, you know, who was never a coordinator. And, 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 you know, just brought the right charisma and hired the right people around him to be those coordinators. Um, and, yeah, it's it's been a you know, unqualified success. I mean, you know, better than their wildest dreams when they could have hired him. Yeah. So, you know, my – I'm a gambler, Mr. Vegas. I, I would want <laughs> probably right now if I had to pick – and it was my choice, neither of which are true. Uh, <laughs> right, right. I would I would want to roll the dice with Pierce. Now the question with that is, does Danny Gonzalez want to go from being the guy in charge of Antonio Pierce to the guy who had to listen to Antonio Pierce? And I think that would be a tough Probably ask not. of anyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would imagine that you know the question hasn't really been asked, but I would imagine Danny Gonzalez wants to be a head coach too. Uh, I mean, you know, most most guys don't get into coaching to be an assistant. They, they pay their dues as an assistant. Um, and, you know, and some guys do. Some some guys end up loving it and they stay as assistants, you know. Monty um, Kiffin. Monty Kiffin, uh, you know, Mickey Andrews, the old, you know, defensive coordinator at Florida State under Bowden. Uh, you know, maybe, just maybe we're seeing a guy right now doing that, Brent Venables at Clemson. Yeah. He certainly had opportunities to go be a head coach and has not taken it. Uh, but, you he's know, getting most, paid most like guys, a head coach. He is getting paid, and that makes a difference. Uh, yeah, I, wish, I shouldn't ignore that. Um, but, you know, most guys want to want the chance to run their own program and, and see what they can do. And You know, uh, it can't begrudge them that. Um, I mean, that's the thing about this, you know, yes, it, and you and I talked about this with Ray Anderson saying, you know, well, we, you know, we, we expect to be a top 15 program and we want to keep our coaches and our staff in place. Those two things may not be both possible. <laughs> you know, I mean, if well, you're a 15 program, guys are going to come after your assistance. Yeah, not without a uh, significant increase in your football budget. Exactly, exactly. I mean, the way Clemson has been able to do that is by paying a lot of money to their assistant coaches. Uh, you know, a lot of money. And so that's hard to do. I mean, if somebody comes calling Antonio Pierce and says, hey, you know, we want you to be a coordinator and we're going to give you, you know, a double the salary you got. Man, can you really begrudge the guy that opportunity? I don't think you can. No. Uh, you know, and, and that means you're having success. When people want your coaches, that means you're doing something right for the most part. Uh, so it's it's just one of those things you got to live with and you got to you got to have the infrastructure in place to you know, not be dependent on one guy because that one guy, you know, a better opportunity is probably coming for him. Um, and, and that's just the way it goes. They have made real inroads in recruiting. And I think some of what gives me hope that this is less of a fluke and more of a trend mm-hmm. is losing John Simon, replacing him with Sean Iguano mm-hmm. and really not missing a beat with the recruiting it feels like agreed agreed yeah yeah you know i mean i I think you know yeah you're you're seeing a more you know concerted effort 
uh, in recruiting and certainly, you know, from a lot of different vantage points, the, you know, the social media, the graphic design, all that stuff that, you know, we as, as old men, we're veering on old men, uh, probably think, you know, well, what's the big deal? Well, kids pay attention to it. And, and, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta captivate 16 to 18 year old kids. And that's hard to do. Uh, you know, people knew how to do that. Somebody was sold that recipe and, and, you know, made a lot of money. So you gotta, you gotta find the right ways to do it. And, you know, it seems like that is, that is going on. We're, we're, we're contending and we're getting guys that we weren't getting before. Um, you know, I know Pierce in that story mentioned Jaden Daniels and that, you know, alluded to some other guys. And I think that, you know, I hope that's true that, you know, he, what he thinks is true that, you know, boy, we're, the freshmen we're playing, they'd be playing if they were at USC or they'd be playing if they were at Texas because they're that good. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's what you want when you're going to play freshmen. And on that note, I do think one of the things that gives me hope in, in this season is true freshman quarterback – True freshman at guard, true freshman at tackle, playing true mm-hmm. freshman receivers. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe next year, you know, that, I agree. That's gonna yeah. look. That's gonna pay dividends. Or in twenty twenty one. Now, yeah. by that point, obviously, you're gonna have a completely rebuilt secondary, and sure, I, sure. I think that uh, I'm not the only one who put out the APB for. Merlin Robertson's A game because that was no. coming through pretty clear in Pierce's interview. I noticed that too. Yes, yes. Uh, but you, you know, even if this year ends seven and five, six and six, mm-hmm. you're setting up where and a kind of appropriately, I guess, year mm-hmm. three is the year. I agree. I agree. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, we've we've pointed to that. They've pointed to that for you know getting recruiting cycles, and we've heard you know. Those are the classes we can make the biggest inroads there, you know, and, and that's true. I mean, it does, it does take time to build relationships. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you and I have discussed this many a time that I don't have the patience nor do, you know, nor do ASU fans, nor should they have the patience for a, you know, a five year plan. Um, but you have to realize that it's not, you know, Rome is not built in a day to use that cliche. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, 2020, 2021, those are the years where you need to make some hay. You need to you need to be in a Pac-12 championship game. You need to win a Pac-12, get to a major bowl, those type of things. If, you know, by the end of 2021, the best year that we had is 8-4, that's going to be a disappointment. Well, and I think that might also spell the end of both Ray Anderson and It might. Uh, it might. Herman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's... It does take time, and, you know, you talk about the freshman linemen especially, and, you know, those guys don't – they're not just plug and play, and they're dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, and you've got Daniels playing. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you've got a core that you feel like there's there's stuff to build around. And, yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, certainly the secondary, which is very veteran this year, you're going to have to replace those guys. Um, but, you know, you played a lot of freshmen on defense last year that are only sophomores, which means theoretically all or most should be back next year. You know, you never know about a transfer or something, but, but you know, guys going into their third year next year, you got, uh, you know, a lot of freshmen playing this year on offense, so they'd be going into their second year. They, you know, you start to get into the time of, okay, no no excuses. You know, uh, 
you can use that excuse for a year or two, and we're in year two. Uh, well, we're playing a lot of young guys and blah 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 blah. But you know, you you've got to you got to do it. You got to you know put your money where your mouth is ultimately, and hopefully we will. I have no reason to you know doubt that we can. But I you know I agree with you. You know you you get excited about what the future holds at least. We're a third of the way through the season. Is it appropriate to discuss guys who might be thinking about leaving early and whether they should or should not? Uh, or is I it mean, too soon? It For, might be a little too soon, but hey, that's what we do in sports. We, we discuss things that are you know too soon. Um, I mean, we just spent the last five minutes talking about the 2020 season. So hey, why not look ahead to the NFL draft? Because uh, I think that there are two guys who could leave legitimately, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, not counting Turk, which who knows? He's yeah, a punter, but, yeah. you know, maybe you think he's not, but who knows? Yeah. You know, but I think it's Chase Lucas and Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin, yeah. And yeah. I feel uh, like as a running back, I would tell Eno Benjamin, if I was advising him, go. go. It's not going to get 100%. better. You're, yeah. you know, they're not going to, there's not going to be better protection. There's not going to be a better no. situation. No. And you get a finite number of yards and hits on your body. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, I agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, barring an injury at some point mid-season or something where it just, it, you know, and hopefully this doesn't happen, obviously, but something like that where it's like, you know, boy, physically, he's just not going to be ready to go through the process and, you know, you want. But even then, you know, can you make the argument that it just makes sense to go and start, start earning money toward playing football. Yeah. You know, as a running back, it really does. Um, so I, I would be surprised if he was back next year. You never know. Maybe he loves it and, and he, you know, but gosh, it, you know, the earning power only lasts so long. And yeah, do you want another year where you're, you know, carrying the ball 250 times and you're not getting paid for it? Probably not. And then on the flip side of the ball, Chase Lucas, after his redshirt freshman year, everyone was like, oh, well, he's going to leave. Right. He's great. He's right. amazing. And after last year, it's like, well, he's still got a lot of talent. You know, he just had a <laughs> – Yeah, yeah. And after last week, there's part of me that's thinking, well, why don't you get graded out? Because you're, you're not Byron Murphy. You're not, no, you're I, not. I, I don't think you got a first-round no. grade on you. Uh-uh. I don't think so either. I mean – it's early, obviously, but I don't. I don't see him being a guy who should leave early. Um, you know, corners different. Uh, every position really is different than running back. Running back is really the one where it just it just does not make sense to stay four years if you're good. And there's just there's really no logic to it. But other positions is not the same. I mean, you do have a longer shelf life at corner if you're good. Um, and I just I don't see him being NFL ready right now. I, I don't I don't know if he'll be NFL ready in a year, but uh, you know I, I think I would say you know give it some more time. Now there's eight more games, maybe you know maybe nine or ten depending on how things go, um, and maybe he'll change my mind. But right now I don't think he should be leaving early. When you when you introduced the subject, the only name that came to mind was Eno Benchman for me. And see. I just have 
assumed, I guess, that Chase Lucas is still thinking about leaving. And he might be. You know, you never know. Guys have surprised us before with early departures to the pros. But, geez, I don't know. It seems dicey, doesn't it? I think so. I do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, again... It's it's early and there's there's you know a lot more games to play, um, but I just you know corner's a tough position and I just I don't look at him and think, boy that's an NFL corner. I, I mean, you've said it and I've not not disagreed with you. I'm not sure he's the best corner on the team. Man, I, I you know I think Kobe Williams is a better player. I I have been on this hill forever. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He just is so – it's one of those things where like a good left tackle, uh-huh. he's just a guy who you put him out there and you're like, yeah, he's fine. Don't worry about yeah, it. Don't worry about what's going on on that side of the ball. He's fine. You know, he he doesn't – if there's a knock, he, he doesn't seem to make the spectacular play. Right. But right. he's never – you never see a, a busted coverage where he's 20 yards behind a guy. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, he's just solid. Now, I mean, he's he's very undersized, so I don't know what his you know pro future would be. Probably not great. I mean, he's probably a guy who's a fringe roster guy, maybe a special teamer. Uh, you know, Chase Lucas has more the the prototypical size that will appeal to the NFL, but a lot of corners do. And you you know you got to be you got to be better than just you know looking good in in shorts. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking the guy. I mean, I, I don't. I don't mean to come across like I'm, you know, crushing him. I just don't see right now that he's, you know, a guy who should be leaving early. Could he get drafted? Maybe, but I, I don't see he's a, a an early round pick. And you know, I'm gonna go Nick Saban here. You know, I mean, like uh, if you're gonna leave early and get drafted in the sixth round, is that really what you want? Probably not. Yeah, well, and it's different from the, uh, I think it was Calipari's line of if he wants to do what's best for me, he'll stay, and if sure. he wants to do what's best sure. for him, he'll leave. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think that is the situation that we're right. looking at with him. That's, that's Eno Benjamin yeah. to me. I mean, Eno Benjamin, is, yeah, if he wants to do what's best for ASU, he'd come back for another year. He'd give us a, you know, a stud running back with all these young guys that were playing this year back for their next year. Yeah, but if he wants to do what's best for himself, you go. I, but yeah, I agree with you. That's not the scenario with Chase Lucas. I think, you know, what's best for himself right now would be, you know, get some more good coaching, get some more development, and, you know, maybe as a senior, you're ready to take that big leap. I don't know. Now, again, said it before, say it again. There's a ways to go this season. Maybe he'll do it. Maybe he's going to have some great game, and we're going to watch him against – you know, Justin Herbert and against whoever the quarterback is at USC, and we're going to think, wow, this guy is really playing well, and he's got to go. And I hope that's the case. And I hope he plays so well that by, you know, January we're saying, boy, he's going to go in the first couple rounds. He looks like a stud. Yeah. Maybe he'll have a Demarius Randall-like rise. You never know. You never Maybe. know. I mean, the draft can be weird. Uh, you know, that's why it's so hard because – you know, you can watch guys, and Demarius Randall's a perfect example. We watched him for two years play at ASU, and he was a good player, but he also frustrated us, and, 
you know, and I mean, there, there were plenty of times it was like, oh my gosh, you know, and then he went in the first round and he's gone on to have a, you know, solid NFL career thus far. So the lesson, by the know. way, of Demarius Randall as a Packer fan is if you're drafting a guy to move his position, yeah, you probably shouldn't spend a first round pick on him. And if you think he has first round talent, you should probably leave him in the place where <laughs> you let that talent shine through. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, you know, that was odd. Um, but, you know, he's he's gone on to be, you know, fairly productive with the Browns. I mean, he's not, you know, I don't think he's on a fast track to Canton, but, you know, a good NFL player, um, and, you know, so not bad. And, yeah, I mean, he's he is not a guy that when he was in college I would have said, oh, yeah, he's an NFL starter. Would not have thought that at all. You know, I thought he was a nice college player, and that's it. So, as our loyal listeners know, we've uh, stayed right on our task of previewing the Cal game with not varying yes. into side places and tangents. <laughs> um, and we picked the loss. Both of us have picked the loss. Yeah. So, yeah. if you want to go to sleep early Friday, which both Matt and I may, yeah, uh, yeah. You don't have to worry because we've already told you the outcome. But in yeah, case you yeah. watch it and you want to hear what we think about it, we'll be back to give you the recap to start previewing yes. the rest of the season as we yes. do because we're in the thick of it now. And we are. We are. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, as you said, third of the way into the season, conference season's underway. So, yeah, and we got a, we got a little off week here next week. So chance to sort of, uh, you know, look look back and look forward and see what, what the rest of the season brings. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.